It's a great day to remember that Jesus reigns. Amen. Today, I break down the midterm results, three major movements that made it happen, and I let you know what they are and why they will be used again in two years. Then I ask a question of this culture that you would probably never have expected from a pastor, but you have to wait until halfway through the episode to hear what that question is and its answer. This is your favorite night of the week, the Deep End of Timesh Live. All right. Hey, everybody, season six, episode 13 here on The Deep End, and I'm so glad that you're here. And if you would do me a solid favor and make sure that you hit that like button, make sure that you hit that subscribe button and give the beard some love. The beard needs love. And also make sure that you hit that notification bell so that you can get notified on your smartphone every time we go live. Welcome into The Deep End, where we talk about politics and social issues from a Christian worldview. And we had one heck of a week. Uh, Election day has become election week because it takes, I guess, seven days to count 250,000 votes, sometimes in some states. And I was happening to go through my own personal devotions last Tuesday night, and I was watching the results start to pour in, and it became pretty apparent real quickly that the red wave would never materialize. Some people predicted a red tsunami. It didn't happen. Uh, it turned out to what some call be, what some called the red trickle. That is, the House of House is barely going Republican. The Senate is going to be remain Democrat, maybe even increase their Democratic lead and majority. Why is that bad for Christians? We will explain. But anyway, while I was going to bed, saw the results starting to pour in. You know, God has a wonderful way in my life, and I hope it's true for you too. Where you just get to the word and it's the word that you needed in season. Anybody like that? You just go to the scriptures and there's a word in season for where you are. And I was trying to wrestle with all that I was seeing happening in the election results. And I was in, I was in Ecclesiastes 10 and Ecclesiastes 10 is talking about rulers and authorities in the world. And Solomon is making an observation that he saw in his day. And here's what he says in verse five of Ecclesiastes 10. Quote, there is another evil that I have seen under the sun. Kings and rulers make a grave mistake when they give great authority to foolish people and low positions to people of proven worth. What a text I could have read. In other words, what Solomon says is that I saw in my day, Solomon says, <laughs> that foolish people get authority and people of proven worth don't. Now, not every Republican is proven worth and not every Democrat is a fool. No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that when you look at the results in Pennsylvania, when you look at the results in what is going to look like the Democratic win in uh, Arizona regarding the governmental government, uh, the, the governor's position, what you see in New York where crime is crazy, uh, outrageous, and they continue to uh, vote for the Democratic um, candidate. When you see those results and you say, how can these people in L and Michigan, where you, they basically validated and vindicated a lockdown governor up in that state. I, I don't know what's going on there, but I was shocked by the results. I can't speak for Michiganers and I will not speak for New Yorkers and I will not speak for these other people, but I was just shocked to see that the people who locked down their states really badly, um, who forced their citizens to abandon their civil rights in many respects during the COVID pandemic, they, they, they were voted back in. They were voted into office and, and they even gained some popularity. I was shocked. I was shocked and I'm sure you were. Can I tell you though that Ecclesiastes 10 reminded me that this is nothing new. This is nothing new. Foolish people who make foolish decisions and live by foolish concepts, such as your church should remain closed, but we're gonna remain, we're gonna keep the liquor stores open. Um, 
those people get into power. And they got into power in Solomon's day, and they're going to get into power in our day. This is nothing new. It is what it is, but it leads me to a conversation about what happened during the midterm elections and how did it happen. And that's what I'm here for as a Christian pastor to help lead you through this process to help understand what made it all come to pass. So let's get into politics. Uh, I love when my head explodes on that uh, graphic. Anyway, what the midterms taught us, 2022 edition. First thing they taught us is there was no red wave. The Again, the prediction was Republicans are going to pick up the House big time. They're going to pick up the Senate, maybe. They're going to pick up governorships all over the country. Now, why, you might say, would Christians care about a red wave? Like, aren't both parties evil and filled with flawed candidates? And as I've been saying on this show, on this episode, on this channel, for weeks now is, yes, both Republicans and Democrats put forth flawed candidates, but the policies aren't equally flawed. What the candidates stand for is not equally flawed. And there are basically three areas where Christians should pay attention to the voting demographics of our country, and that is on the issues of abortion, gender identity, sexual orientation, and attending church. Uh, This is from CNN's exit poll of the midterm elections, and it says basically that it is split pretty much left-right, Democrat and Republican, on the issues of abortion. Democrats, 73% believe it should be legal. 89% uh, of Republicans believe it should be illegal. Uh, Gender identity, sexual orientation here on the screen. Are we going the right direction? Changing for the better. Democrats, 87% say yes. Republicans, 78% say no. Changing for the worst. So all this gender confusion, Republicans genuinely align with biblical values that God made them male and female. There are not 72,000 genders and there is no gender spectrum. There's male and female. God created this. There is also only one version of marriage that God created. That is male and female for life. Heterosexuality is God's plan for man. Does not, um, does not uh, eliminate the deviancies. Deviancy is part of the curse of sin that is resident in the human heart. But anyway, and then the, la- the last category here on the screen is how often do you attend church or religious services? And look at the number for Democrats, 66% say never. And the exact opposite, 66% of Republicans say weekly or more. Um, so right there, you can kind of see that it's split down the the line. The line is down the middle of those who attend church and believe the Bible and those who don't. And it tends to, trends towards Republicans in that regard. Republicans tend to cater to religious voters, tend to cater to people of faith voters, biblical value voters, and Democrats tend to cater to the exact opposite. America is very divided. It's very divided according to their views of what makes a man, what makes a woman, what makes a marriage, what makes society better. Now, a lot of people say it was a devastating uh, blue wave. The, the country is blue. The country is now liberal. Well, break it down by district, and this is what you see. This is the country, okay, red and blue. So you can see that the blue areas, predominantly New England, my home area, the very edge of the coastal areas in the west, uh, city centers all over the country, and the southwestern border of Texas and Hawaii, very blue. But the rest of the country, very, very red. So calling America blue based on that graphic is like calling this shirt blue. <laughs> and I love this graphic because I found this online. I bought this ble- this new blue shirt and it's predominantly red, but there's some blue patches. Okay, so the, the point of the matter is that Republicans far and away own more ge- geography of the country, but Democrats own probably more of the population of the country because of the city centers and the influence of left-leaning policies, uh, social progressive policies in those city centers. Now, Republicans did 
win the generic ballot, the, the general vote count by 6 million votes. In other words, 6 million more pe- Americans voted de- Republican than, than Democrat. However, again, in the districts that count, in the districts that lead to uh, governorships and, and senator seats and uh, Congress seats, Democrats really fared very well in their results. And I am not going to even discuss um, election fraud. I just, I'm done with that discussion. It, it does happen. There's no doubt about it. Do I think that it shifted the margins? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But what I can tell you is based on the exit polls, who voted for who and how did we get here? And I think there are three main movements and it is a wake up call for the church. It's a wake up call for people like me. I'm a pastor. And as pastors, I think we need to do a better job educating young people about what values matter, where where these values register, uh, and why young voters need to be t- taught and trained by the church and other voters, because there are three basic movements that happen in this election cycle that I think a lot of Republicans took for granted, a lot of Democrats leveraged for their advantage, and we're gonna talk about them. And the first one is young voters. Young voters showed up at the polls and they overwhelmingly swung Democrat. And there's a reason for it. This is a exit poll from CNN, 18 to 29 year old, 63% of them went Democrat, only 35% went Republican. Now, there is an old saying that when you're young, if you're not liberal, you have no heart. And when you're old, if you're still liberal, you have no brain. And that is that you tend to vote liberal when you're young because you buy into liberal mantras that you know, they, the government cares about you. The government's here to solve your problems. The government's here to, you know, make everything equal because when you're young, you have no money. And when you're young, you have no power. Okay. And so the, the, the political party that offers you those things, you tend to swing in that direction. Then you go through about 20 years of life and realize that politicians can't give those things to you. You got to earn them. You got to work hard for them. Then you swing over to the right. And that's exactly what you see here on the CNN exit poll, because between the ages of 30 to 44, uh, a demographic that is called millennial and would have heavily favored Democrats now is sliding already. 47% slid over here to the Re- Republican conservative side and only 51%, still a majority though, went Democrat. But then look at my generation, the Gen Xers, okay? We've been through this mantra. We've been through this promise. We used to vote vote heavily Democratic. Now we're voting heavily Republican, 54 to 44%. And then the 65 and older, 55 to 43% Republican. So the young voters showed up in favor of the Democrats and the Democrats did something brilliant this um, election season. They leveraged the young vote tremendously. I'm amazed at how well they did. And there was another demographic that they leveraged very well and on two basic issues. And those two basic issues were college loan forgiveness, $10,000 of free money from the government to pay off your loan from other people, by the way. It wasn't loan forgiveness. It was loan transference. We've talked about it on this channel. But secondly, the ability to kill your children, (laughs) the ability to kill your offspring and college loan forgiveness really won the young vote. And let's just take it from the horse's mouth that Democrats understand this. Democrats understand this, uh, this demographic of the voting uh, populists very well. And they understand one basic thing about them. Kamala Harris saying in a speech in 2015 about the 18 to 24 year olds, Democrats get it. And here's what she said about it. What's the other thing we know about this population? And it's a specific phase of life. Remember, age is more than a chronological fact. What else do we know about this population, 18 through 24? They are stupid. <laughs> that is why we put them in dormitories. And they resident assistant they make really bad decisions yes they do (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, for a woman who struggles to articulate almost every policy position in the Democratic Party, she really enunciated that belief very well. And it's a belief that I can absolutely agree with. They make really bad decisions, and the Democrats know this. And so they do things like promising college loan forgiveness, college loan forgiveness. So $10,000 of money from the mechanic down the street who never went to college is going to come to you because you took out a gender studies degree at the University of Wichita or whatever, you know, whatever state university you got that useless degree from. And the promise was there and it was made, it was TikToked and it was advertised everywhere. By the way, the Democrats really leveraged TikTok in, TikTok in their favor. I'm going to get to that in just a moment about why that's important. Now, two days after the election, guess what? This is kind of hilarious, in my opinion. The, the Biden administration stopped taking student loan forgiveness applications because of a federal judge that stopped it. Federal court ruling identified that it was unconstitutional and it violates the law. Who would have known? And this is a Texas judge that struck down the law. God bless Texas, by the way. Here's the kicker. Uh, the law was not struck down by Republicans or the president's uh, uh, political opponents. It was struck down by two, two guys who brought a lawsuit against the plan because they didn't qualify for the program. So I, I almost guarantee that these two guys in Texas brought this lawsuit and stopped the student loan forgiveness plan because they were, and I almost, this would be hilarious. I'd like to research this. It'd be hilarious to find out who they were. I bet you they were diversity, equity, and inclusion officers at some dot-com business. <laughs> and they make $350,000 a year to make sure that the, there's equity in the office. And they don't qualify for student loan forgiveness, so they brought a lawsuit. They, they have so far um, stopped the process of happening, and God bless them. Good. This Hopefully, the younger generation learns that this is what happens when you put your hope in government. That when something proves unconstitutional and you vote for it because you're a fool, because you're stupid, like Kamala Harris says, uh, you lose. You lose because the Constitution governs us, not presidents. And, and that is an important qualifier. Young voters, you need to learn that we are governed by a Constitution. That means a document governs us, not the president. The president presides over the legislature and they, the legislature enacts laws that are commensurate with our Constitution. And if the Constitution provides for that law, there has to be an amendment to the Constitution to provide for that law. And if there is no amendment, then there is no law. And where there is some executive order by a president, it can be struck down. It can be challenged in the courts. The courts hold the our legislators and our executive branch accountable. That's how the Constitution works. That's how America works. So all this hope in voting one way to make sure all your plans come to pass, welcome to your first bitter disappointment. By the way, what else do we know about the young voters? We know this from a recent study uh, from the Christian Post reporting that 42% of Gen Zers suffer from mental illness. 42% of Gen Z, the young people who voted heavily Democratic, suffer from mental illness. Now, now the Democrats know that you got to keep them poor, you got to keep them uh, stupid, and you got to keep them drugged. This is literally what we're seeing happening in our electorate right now. According to the Christian Post, 42% of the Gen Zers not only suffer from mental illness, but nearly 90% of them feel like their generation has been not set up for success. 57% uh, of Gen Zers struggle with their mental health and are actively taking medication in upwards cost of $44 per month. And one in five of them seek therapy for their mental health, costing them about $149 a month as well. So Gen Zers, you are broke because you're young. Young people are tend, tend to be broke, but you're also more broke because you have to pay for this medic, the medical 
establishment to help you deal with the fact that you are depressed all the time. Uh, nearly 90% of that 42% say it's anxiety, 77, 78% say it's depression. So they are anxious, they are depressed because they are told that the world's gonna end in 12 years, but at the same time, they've got these heavy college loans, which doesn't make any sense because if you have the college loans and the world's gonna end in 10 years, why not just pay the, not pay the college loans? Oh, it's unbelievable how they manipulate the young. And there's a golden opportunity here for the church. The golden opportunity here for the church is let's minister to the young. Like, let's reach out to them. Let's teach them the Bible. Let's teach them how they can have no anxiety by putting their faith in Christ if they pray and and attend church and worship Christ and know Christ. Like, let's, let's do things that help them so that they don't fall for these lies. But this is the lie that they have they have been duped into. Literally, the game plan for the Democratic Party is get them young, keep them stupid. That's the educational system's job. Promise them free stuff. That's the politician's job. Never deliver. That's the way life works. And then get them again in two years. And the cycle continues. Number one, young voters. Number two issue that led to what we just saw happen in the midterm elections is ballots, not voters. Ballots, not voters. So it is no longer about uh, winning voters to your side. It's about getting the ballots to your side. That is harvest ballots from the districts that heavily favor your um, political demographic. That's exactly what happened. It's called ballot harvesting. I want to tell you about it. What it is, ballot harvesting is, it's a law that allows third parties to collect and deliver ballots in many states. Not all states, but many states. In states where the practice is legal, Volunteers or campaign workers go directly to the homes of voters, collect those completed ballots, and then drop them off in mass at polling places or election offices. In some states, ballot harvesters can be paid hourly for their work collecting ballots, although it is illegal for them to be paid per ballot. So what happens now is people don't show up at the polls anymore. The, the state sends ballots in the mail and then ballot harvesters show up at the door and say, hey, did you get your ballot in? Uh, did you fill it in? Uh, let me deliver it for you. Uh, let me take it for you. And so they take it and they harvest, harvest the ballot, and bring it in and they get the ballot counted. Now, the reason why this matters is because it's a very easy strategy. It's a very easy strategy that California started doing uh, in 2018 very successfully. So what you do is you ballot harvest from the districts, towns, neighborhoods that lean heavily for your preferred candidate. So all it takes is the machinery to be put in place to ballot harvest from heavily Democratic areas to win Democratic seats. Now, this article from NPR reports that California Republicans are no longer complaining about ballot harvesting and are starting to embrace the process. And I highly encourage you to read this article. I don't want to read it for you, but basically the synopsis is that a law was passed in 2016 in California that removed all kinds of rules about how to ballot harvest and how to hand them in. And in 2018, the Democratic machine went to work, ballot harvested, and swept 29 state elections the Demo into the Democratic way, into the Democratic uh, 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 direction. <laughs> Sorry, brain, brain freeze for a second. Now the Republicans are trying to desperately catch up to this Democratic machinery, and they have started to put uh, ballot collection boxes in conservative places such as, and get this, uh, evangelical megachurches and gun stores. <laughs> so they are starting to swing in the direction of this, um, this plan, ballot harvesting. They don't like it. It's really kind of questionable, but they are the rules. And even in this article, Democratic leaders in California are saying it would be political malpractice if we just let the Democrats take advantage of this leniency and we didn't take advantage of it ourselves. So guess what happened in, Dem in um, heavily Democratic California? Michelle Steele won her seat 
in one of the congressional districts by ballot harvesting in, guess where, uh, Korean and Vietnamese churches. So Korean and Vietnamese churches ballot harvested for this uh, Republican candidate. And the article that I read said 40% of the folks in her district were born outside of America. They came here legally. They bought homes. They owned businesses. They got their kids in school. And these are middle-class homes, not fancy homes on the beach, smaller homes in Buena Park and such. And she ran a staunchly anti-communist campaign resonating with illegal immigrants in America whose family histories were affected by communist governments where they came from. So two things, young voters in ballot harvesting swung heavily uh, Democratic in some areas, although there are signs of hope that Republicans are going to catch up here and start winning elections where it counts because they're going to leverage these now lenient laws on ballot harvesting. And this is how, by the way, election day becomes election week because it takes week it takes a week to count all these ballots because they're all stockpiled in some somewhere else somewhere and they get thrown through the system because of all the collection that takes place up into the day of the election. So that's two things, though. Two things are, the first thing, young voters. Second thing is ballot harvesting. Here's the third big issue that the Democrats won on, and that is the single female and the abortion vote. I want to show you a chart that breaks down the vote tallies by gender and marital status. This, this one, this chart alone is shocking, okay? And so here it is, votes by marital status. Married men made up 30% of the electorate, and they swung heavily Republican, 59% to 39%. Married women also swung heavily Republican, 56% to 42%. Unmarried men also went Republican, 60% of the electorate, 52% of them went Republican, 45% went Democrat. Unmarried women, 23% of the electorate blew every other number out of the water, 68% of them went Democratic, 31% went Republican, and that is for one reason and one reason only, abortion. The largest group getting abortions in our country are single women. This is from the New York Times. 46% of single, never married women get abortions. They are far and away the largest demographic getting abortions. And they are also a hugely influential voting bloc, as we just saw in these midterm elections. And the promise from the president was vote for me and we will make sure that Roe v. Wade is codified into federal law. Now, here again is how the Democrats leverage stupid voters for their gains. It really, because the Supreme Court struck down Roe v. Wade, okay? The Supreme Court struck down Roe v. Wade because the Supreme Court, largely a conservative court now, could not find a right to an abortion in the Constitution. Again, remember that our, our, our country is governed by a Constitution, not by a president. The Constitution governs us. The paper, the document governs us. It's, it's a groundbreaking way to govern. We are not a democratic uh, uh, country. We are a republic, a constitutional republic. That means that the Constitution um, is our leader, is our lawmaker, our guide, our governing power, and... The Republic of the the electric the elect the elected representatives in the Republic Constitutional Republic lead us by laws that are governed by that Constitution. So, if the Supreme Court struck down the Roe v. Wade decision because they realized that there is no constitutional right to an abortion, any federal law that would be passed trying to recodify Roe v. Wade into law, trying to provide a freedom to get an abortion, which is not found in the Constitution, 
would then be challenged by states such as Texas or Alabama or Arkansas or Kansas and would then be struck down by the Supreme Court again. <laughs> Do you understand how, or you got to understand, like, I think that we need to give people a basic civics test before we give them a ballot. Do you understand how our government works? Because if you don't understand, then you really shouldn't vote. That would be my, that would be my preference. Pass this 10 question quiz and then vote. It's just frustrating. But again, the Democrats win elections by preying on stupid people. Right after the election results started rolling in, this report came out. Joe Biden, Democrats likely don't have the votes to, to codify Roe after the midterms. And, and this article read that Joe Biden on Monday acknowledged that his promise to legalize abortion nationwide would not come to fruition in the next Congress. He said, quote, I don't think we have enough votes to codify it. He said at a press conference in Bali, Indonesia, after a reporter asked him about the future of his promises on abortion. So, of course, this isn't going to pass. And guess what? Joe Biden knows how our government works. He knows that even if he gets a law passed, the states that, that want to stop abortion in their states will challenge the law, bring it all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court will strike it down. That's how our government works. It's called checks and balances because the government is really meant for gridlock, not making all these laws too much and not passing all these bills too quickly. That's what our founders intended for our government so that it wouldn't control our lives, so that it wouldn't be able to change things quickly. Again, a civics test should be required to vote in our country. But, you know, good news, Massachusetts, you can still kill your babies forever. Texas, not so much. Uh, um, but you've got to understand that the Democrats also don't want this issue to go away. They're quite happy. I believe they're quite happy to make sure that they don't codify Roe v. Wade into law. Do you know why? Because they want to run on this issue in two years. They also want to run on free education in two years. They never want to provide what they promise because then they can just run their campaigns on these promises again. They know that young voters will chase free money and singles will chase free sex. And as long as we're young, dumb, and stupid, we're going to go in that direction. Let's talk a little bit further about abortion because it's a very important point. Abortion has become the blessed sacrament of the secular mind. It really has become this be all end all to our country. 61% uh, of the country wants abortion to be legal in some cases at least. 39% want it to be illegal in all cases. I am among the 39%. I am in the minority, but I have to learn to live with the fact that I am in that minority because uh, Hollywood uh, engineering through mass media, the um, educational system of our country, uh, the endless rhetoric from democratic leaders uh, and what have you have baptized our country into this mindset that killing our babies is the most important thing that we can do right now because it will lead to prosperity. If we kill our babies, it'll lead to prosperity. I bring you the results from Montana where a ballot initiative was rejected to provide legal personhood to born, infants born after a botched adultery. A, a, a predominantly red state, basically by a four-point margin, voted in favor of letting living humans die on a clinic table if it's born alive during an abortion. <laughs> this article says the re referendum, if passed, would have enacted a state-level born alive infant protection act. It did not pass. It did not pass. In other words, a child born is no longer a child because why? Because we are so indoctrinated into the idea that abortion is a blessed sacrament we need it to get ahead. We need it, especially young single females need abortion to make sure that they can make money. 
that we're, we can't even we can't even see the person born as a result of a botched abortion as a person anymore. That person should be just left to die in a clinic's table in a red state in Montana of all places. I mean, unbelievable. What are we seeing? We are seeing, ladies and gentlemen, the resurrection of an ancient god called Molech. Now, Molech is not a real god. It's a false god. But the ancient god of Molech is America's true god right now. And it has been for some time. In the ancient world, cultures would put their babies on the fiery altar of Molech, this statue where they would worship, in the, on the promise of making a lot of money, on the promise of a great harvest, on the promise of a great uh, increase in their crops. So they would take their infant babies and burn them alive on this altar. By the way, the altar of Molech was shaped after a bull. It was a bull with human hands. And it's kind of ironic, isn't it, that standing outside the New York Stock Exchange, the, the, the building of, of, of increase and, and chasing money is what? Is a bull. So you have the god of Molech represented right there on the sidewalk outside the New York Stock Exchange, which is the promise of what? Increase, money, financial prosperity. Very appropriate to have a bull outside the New York Stock Exchange because we see money as our source, not God, money. And if you're secular and if you don't believe in God and if you don't go to church, uh, then there is no God and you have to rely on money. And so money is the way to get ahead. Money is the way to, pr to progress in life. And so if a child is conceived in your body and it's unexpected, that child is perceived as a threat to your financial security. And so let's kill it. Let's just destroy it. Let's, let's get rid of life so that my life can prosper. And across the board, in elections across America, abortion won. Abortion won. Uh, three uh, pro-abortion rights bills passed in three states. Anti-abortion bills fail. Voters in California, Michigan, Vermont passed measures or approved measures that are backed by supporters of abortion rights, while a bill in Kentucky supported, proponent, supported by promote, proponents of abortion restrictions lost. Uh, never forget, and I have to remind us regularly, that our abortion laws in this country are far more lenient than any other European country. I mean, Europe looks at us and says, wow, you guys really take that abortion thing really far. Most European countries uh, really restrict when a woman can have an abortion in terms of the fetal development, the, the fetal, the child's development in the womb. Uh, e even last year, and I mentioned this to my church on Sunday, even last year, this time, uh, France President um, Emmanuel Macron said America's social degeneration is gone too far. We need to, as, Fren as Frenchmen and French people, we need to stop importing American values. That's when you know your country is going way off the rails in regards to abortion and the redefinition of humanity and male and female. But this is the deception. This is the deception that has come upon our world and particularly among single females. And I want to get to a point why that matters. Why do I, I'm not, I don't want to demonize single females. I want to actually lay the blame somewhere else. But first, let me just make the point that the deception of, uh, on, on the value of money and success is real in our culture. Uh, abortion basically says how I came into the world is nullified because I wasn't a human being until I was breathing, I guess. A human being isn't a human being unless the mother carrying it says so. Uh, and then science has proven that pain at 12 weeks for an unborn infant is proven, but that doesn't matter. Science only matters when it comes to wearing masks, I guess. And even then it's falsified science. And then my success financially, professionally requires the blood of the unborn. This is America. 2022. And it is very, very sad. It is where we are. Again, I don't want to lay the blame on single female. I kind of want to lay the blame as a pastor on men. I really do because men are responsible for this stuff. What we have in our culture right now is a perpetuation of adolescence, a perpetuation of young men 
staying young boys. Boys that can shave. Basically, that's what men are becoming. They play video games. They watch porn. They don't get jobs. They live with their parents in perpetuity. They don't take risks. They don't ask girls out. They don't even know how to talk to girls anymore. They don't know how to date anymore. They don't pay for dinner. They have been, they have been feminized by a lot of media and cultural saturation, yes, but they have been in some ways emasculated by um, a culture that has not empowered them to be men has not taught them to reject this fleshly indulgences and pursue things that matter. Things like finding a woman, things like uh, marrying her and providing for her and then raising babies with her and getting your life moving. I am saying this constantly in my church to young men, like stop dating, stop playing the field, start getting married, start getting, you know, you, you gotta, I'm amazed at how much of my energy over the last 10 years have, has gone into this with the young men in my church. Stop being a boy that can shave. Stop being a perpetual adolescence. Life is not about playing the field. Life is not about playing video games and having fun. Life is about taking responsibility and working hard and producing something and leaving behind descendants that you can be proud of. But this is not happening in our country right now. And abortion, again, is this blessed sacrament because that also enables perpetual adolescence among our young females. So young females can, you know, get on Instagram and put the filter on and look young and hot for their, for well into their 30s and 40s and all in the name of what? Personal success and fulfillment and validation? Let me tell you the most validating thing a woman can ever experience. An infant's eyes that she just gave birth to looking into her eyes and saying, you are my world right now. That is the most validating thing a young woman can ever feel. Those young infant eyes looking at that woman's eyes will provide far more validation than any like on Instagram or follow on Facebook. And it is time that we teach our young people these things. It is time the church step up and say things that matter. It's time that we put away uh, self-promotion preaching. You know, I'm just tired of it. Self-promotion preaching. These YouTube celebrity pastor personalities, these sneakers with preachers, these guys who get on and talk about how it is all about you and your dreams and your destiny and God fulfilling all your dreams and destinies and you are going to be awesome. So you've got to stay single and free and unencumbered, and then you will find value in all these other worldly measures. No, you find value in the measures that God enacted you to find value in. The first one is knowing that you are made in the image of God and that you belong to him and that you are made to represent him. And how do we represent God most fully? Through the act of marriage, heterosexual marriage, when one woman and one woman, one woman and one man get together in holy matrimony and commit together in the presence of their society and friends and say, we're going to love one another through thick and thin, up and down, better for worse, sickness and health. We're going to love each other. We're going to hold on to each other. We're going to raise babies together. We're going to leave behind the world, a world that is better than the one we found. But that again is not what is happening. Our young people are indoctrinated through the media forces, through the news, through the endless posturing of your life is all that matters and your individuality and your personal freedom is uh, of utmost precedent in your life. And so I have a totally unexpected hot take in response to the midterm elections. And you're not even going to believe what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it. My totally unexpected takeaway from the midterm elections, and as a pastor, it pains me to say this, but here's the question that I have for you. Is God instigating a holy war on the West? Is God doing this? And I have to say, I think he is. I think that God is Romans chapter one-ing us. <laughs> Romans chapter one, God handed them over to the lust of the flesh, to the degrading of their bodies, to the redefinition of marriage, the redefinition of sexuality, the redefinition of humanity. 
and they became brute beast and filled with evil, covetousness, greed, idolatry, licentiousness, and on and on and it goes. Just read Romans chapter 1 for yourself and you will see that that is exactly the path that we are taking. And I talk about this on this channel all the time. It could very well be a holy war. Let me give you a, verse, a couple of verses of scriptures about holy war. Remember when the Israelites were called to go into the land of Canaan and execute holy war on the nations that lived there, and God said, show them no mercy. Several times God says this, Deuteronomy 7, the Lord your God will clear away these nations before you little by little. You may not make an end of them at once, lest the wild beasts grow too numerous for you. But the Lord your God will give them over to you and throw them into great confusion until they are destroyed. And he will give their kings into your hand and you shall make their name perish from under heaven. No one shall be able to stand against you until you have destroyed them. This is God's word to God's people saying, I want you to completely annihilate these, these pagan cultures. Uh, by the way, God promised Abraham way back in Genesis 15, verse 14. He said, I will bring judgment on the nation that they served, that's Egypt, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. And then look at verse 15. And as for you, you shall go with your fathers to... Uh, go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in good old age. Verse 16, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. In other words, God says, I am giving those pagan nations in Canaan, the promised land, time to repent. I'm giving them a chance to return to me, but they won't. I know for a fact, because God knows the end from the beginning. So 400 years from now, they're going to be so grossly idolatrous, so grossly sinful that they will be unredeemable. And I do believe that cultures get to that point. I do absolutely believe that cultures get to the point where they are completely irredeemable and God just hands them over and they destroy themselves. And in some ways it is God enacting the whole thing. And so the rule was, according to Deuteronomy chapter 20, the rule was, verse 16, by, but in the cities of these people that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance, you shall save alive nothing that breathes. You shall devote them to complete destruction. The Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, as the Lord your God has commanded, they may not teach you, that they may not teach you to do according to all the abominable practices that they have done for their gods. And so you sin against the Lord your God. So God's saying, listen, you need to totally destroy these people because they will falsely influence you. And Christians, pay attention to this. Because God could very well be initiating a holy war, just like he did in Joshua, on the cultural West. In other words, handing the cultural West over to its sinful inclinations. So we're going to get to some questions about why that matters. And if you don't think that God does this anymore because we're in the New Testament, I'd like you to bring, bring you back to something called the city of Pompeii, the ancient city of Pompeii in Italy. It was destroyed in one day. It was destroyed in one day by a volcanic, volcanic eruption, Mount Vesuvius. And it was the vacation destination of the Roman leaders at the time that they destroyed the city of Jerusalem in AD 70. This, this article, a very interesting article I found online, The Destruction of Pompeii, God's Revenge, basically uh, unpacks the reality that nine years almost to the day after the Roman legionnaires destroyed God's house in Jerusalem, that would be AD 70. In AD 79, God destroyed the luxurious watering holes of the Roman elite. So does God in the New Testament enact holy war against irredeemable cultures and cultures that hate his people and cultures that hate righteousness? Yes. <laughs> this, this happened in AD 79. And all you have to do is look back at the Roman Empire and its demise from within in the, AD, in the uh, 4th and 5th centuries. And all you have to do is look at the Goth Empire and the Germanic Empire and the Turkish Ottoman Empire and how God has handed cultures over again and again to their own demise. It takes a long time because God is exceedingly patient like he was with the people in Canaan. He was 400 years patient with the Amorites, Hittites, and Jebusites, and God finally handed them over and used Israel to destroy them. And I think that the cultural West is headed to that way right now. I think it's already happening. This is the unpopular hot take. 
because here's the questions that I have for you. Already, who aborts their babies? Who, who is who is saying no more offspring? By and large, secular people. Who is getting elective transgender surgeries and hormone blockers? Who is basically uh, sterilizing their young? But secular people, progressive, godless people. And who is depressed and mentally ill beyond any statistical measure? I believe it is godless, non-church-going, faith-practicing people. I think the statistics bear this out. Like I already shared with you, about 42% of Gen Z are suffering from mental illness. God is handing this generation over. Now, now, now listen, I want to make sure one thing is clear, though. As Christians, we should be caring about these people. We should be loving them. We should be telling them the truth about Jesus Christ. We should be supporting churches financially and uh, with our t talents to help reach younger people because they need the hope that is available to them in Jesus Christ. But this is where we are headed as a culture, again, abortion is, is framed as healthcare. It is anything but healthcare. It is anything but healthcare. I give you this uh, article from the CDC, Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Uh, a research study in 2018 showed that out of 519 maternal deaths, 86.1% uh, resulted from a legal abortion, 11% from illegal abortion, and 2.9% from abortions whose legal status was unknown. And this is a very minimized number because uh, most states do not report deaths as a result of a legal abortion. Do you know why? Because there is a political uh, gain to be lost if they do. Uh, how about this report from the National Library of Medicine? Suicidal rates for women who have an abortion go up by 40% after the abortion. 40% higher suicide rate for women who have had an abortion. By the way, if a woman has a miscarriage, suicide rates decline almost by half. And if they deliver the baby, it declines as well almost by half. So, so here's the lesson, ladies. I hope you could pay attention to this. Any young ladies out there listening to me, the lesson is if you're depressed after finding out you're pregnant and it's unexpected, the best thing for your mental health is to deliver the baby. The best thing is not to get an abortion to save yourself. The best thing is to deliver the baby to save yourself. But, 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 but again, nobody's going to hear this because this channel has like, what, 2,000 uh, subscribers? And if you're not subscribed, subscribe. <laughs> but by and large, uh, Lizzo and Lady Gaga and Taylor Swift are going to influence this young generation far more than I ever will to their own demise, to their own mental illness. And for all the reports that abortion empowers women to take control of their lives, a LifeWay research study found that the most influential figure in the aborting mother is, guess who? The father of the baby. The father of the baby, 38% of the time, was the cause for the woman getting the abortion. In other words, when we say that abortion is women's empowerment, actually is the empowerment of the irresponsible male. The irresponsible video game playing, living in mom's basement, habitating male. The perpetual adolescent boy who can shave says to his girlfriend, get the abortion because I do not want to grow up. And 38% of the time, the aborting the aborting woman says yes. It's unbelievable. But all the lies we were fed about this issue that is a huge issue of importance for elections is a total lie uh, on the merits. By the way, I ran across this TikTok video of a woman saying that once abortion was outlawed, she was no longer going to have sex with men randomly. And, and so here's what she says. Watch this. Y'all decided to ban abortions, so I'm deciding to ban sex. 
You guys will no longer be getting any coochie from me. Like, you will literally have to be my husband. I swear to y'all. Like, it is a no way. Yes, thank you. Good. Like, I, rem I remember when we did this before. Everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. Yes, very good. That's exactly the, the, the end game we want for illegal, making abortion illegal. And the church really has to clean up its own house. A report from 2015 says that 70% of women who get abortions identify as Christians. Now, the word identify as Christians is key there. Uh, if you go deeper into the study from 2015, 43% say they attend a Christian church at least once a month. So 43%, I mean, still. But the point is, is that the church has to clean up its act. Hey, 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 how about this? Moderate proposal. Before we try to Christianize America, maybe we should Christianize the church. Just saying. Before we force non-believers to obey the Bible, maybe we should obey the Bible. But anyway, who are getting abortions? Uh, you know, nominal Christians and non-Christians. And maybe God is allowing that to make sure that these people don't perpetuate their values through their offspring. Maybe, just maybe. I mean, again, unpopular Christian pastor hot take. Again, who's getting transgender surgeries? Who's getting uh, voluntary mastectomies during their teen years? Secular people. This from the Daily Wire. A new study of nation nationwide hospital databases found that Adolescents between 2016 and 2019 received gender-affirming chest surgeries in the U.S. at an alarming 400% increase. 400% increase in uh, adolescents getting uh, gender-affirming mastectomies, breasts cut off. Unbelievable. This is, this is a growing population. And that's from 2016 to 2019. And we are now in 2022 on the verge of 2023. How much more has it increased as a result of the last three years of insanity? But this is going back into the dark ages. This is confusion. And I absolutely believe that this is God handing a generation over to the own lust of the flesh. Perhaps there is no clearer picture of this confusion than out of Derry, New Hampshire. Derry, New Hampshire held a Miss America pageant. And the winner of the Miss America pageant in Derry, New Hampshire was an overweight man. I kid you not. Watch the video. No sound. Oh, sorry, guys, about the sound. But there he is winning. No sound. But there he is. He is winning a pageant in front of all these young, pretty little teenage girls. And they're all forced there to clap and act like they're happy because some fat dude won their prize. I mean, this is America. This is the insanity of our age. Please do not tell me that wisdom resides with the unsaved. Please do not tell me that this is not lunacy and degeneracy my friends if i would say one thing in response to all this and hang with me here it is a good sign that jesus is coming it is a good sign that i think the father's like son we're getting close because it's getting cray cray down there <laughs> i don't want to sound disrespectful when i speak for the lord but honestly this is where we're going so mental illness on the rise with young people abortion on the rise with young people and secular people embracing these blessed sacraments, taking drugs, doing all these things. Maybe it is God handing them over to the lust of the flesh. And here's why I say it might be a holy word where God is kind of limiting their procreative status. Do you know what's happening in Canada right now? Here's the answer for mental health. Here's the answer that Canada has now just come up with for mental health, particularly amongst the young. Are you ready for it? You'll never believe it. Kill yourself. Kill yourself. So Justin Trudeau's liberals to facilitate suicide for the mentally ill starting in March. This is the post-millennial reporting. 
Changes are being made to medical assistance in dying made, which will expand eligibility requirements to eliminate the reasonable foreseeability of natural death criteria. And that means that it will no, no longer be required for a person's death to be reasonably foreseeable to receive made services. The government of Canada's, Canada's website says that those who only... Uh, those whose only medical condition is a mental illness will not be eligible for MAID until t March 2023, meaning that it will be fully available for those with just a mental condition after that date. Yikes. Unreal how this is happening right before our eyes. The genocide of the West, the self-imposed genocide of the West. And it is clear as day to me that God absolutely is enacting a holy war against the West. And if you are not, if you are a non-believer listening to this channel, uh, understand that I am talking to believers. This channel is dedicated to Christian believers, people who want to grow in their knowledge of the truth. And I would implore you really strongly, come to Christ. Save yourself. Save yourself from this lunacy. Save yourself from this abomination because it is going to get worse. It is going to get worse. The educational system has been hijacked. The uh, political system has been hijacked. The entertainment system has been hijacked. The corporate system, the, the largest donors to the Democratic cause, to the pro-abortion cause, has been billion-dollar corporations. There used to be a day where the Republicans owned the billion-dollar corporations. Nope, Democrats got them. So, so this is a, a, a movement that might have a divine impetus behind it. And if you are not saved and you're listening to this channel, first off, I'm so glad that you are. Save yourself. Save yourself. Because my question for the church, and this again is an unpopular pastor hot take, should we even try to stop it anymore? Should we even try to stop this anymore? Do you know what the response of every Christian should be to these disastrous midterm results on the basis of abortion and free money from the government, which will never come, being the impetus for why the, the vote went the way it did? Do you know what our response should be? Play the long game. Play the long game. And here's the long game. Are you ready? It's not popular. It's not a popular brand. It's more than a vote. Get married and outbreed the pagans. That's number one. Get married and outbreed the pagans. Number two, connect to a local church and serve that church and support that church financially and emotionally and mentally and physically. Okay. And then raise your kids in Christ. Stay married no matter what. Stay married no matter what. Even if you hate each other during those seasons that you hate each other, that eventually will pass. It happens in every marriage. Stay married because divorce destroys kids. And then love your neighbor tangibly and visibly. Like, we can all agree about that, right? That's a good idea. Like, let's love our neighbors. Let's serve our neighbors. That's the long game that we got to play if we're going to see over the course of generations this country be saved. Maybe God is removing those who would destroy this country systematically through these horrible pagan practices. And those who serve the Lord will stand the test of time. Uh, I do have really good news because I don't want to just depress you. So let's go to the really good news. Really, really, really good. That's really good news. It's good. A couple of wins to pay attention to uh, this past week. There was one wave of red, and it was in the state of Florida. <laughs> now, Ron DeSantis won in a landslide election. He got 60-something, 60 64-something percent of the vote. Okay, I live in Florida. I work there, and I, like most people here, are thrilled with the result. I do think that the demographic shift from the north to the south during the COVID lockdowns had a big deal to do with this, great deal to do with this. I think that a lot of New York voters who would have voted Republican came to Florida during the pandemic and a lot of Michiganders and a lot of, you know, uh, purple states, they, the red people moved down here and voted Ron DeSantis overwhelmingly back into office. But just check out his resume. 
He took on Disney's woke ideology. He gave teachers and police a pay raise. He gave parents their proper rights over their children's lives. He stopped the vax mandate. He kept the state open. He kept the schools open. He didn't trust Fauci. He shipped illegals to Martha's Vineyard. He made trans surgeries illegal for minors. And who would have thought, who would have thought that those are winning issues? People with a brain. People with a brain would have thought. And I would like the Republicans to stop worrying about tax cuts for the rich and start worrying about things that families actually worry about. These things. Like, seriously. Can we, can we start thinking about that? Because one other positive from the midterm results was that the um, school boards in large part shifted over to conservative values wherever uh, critical race theory was on the ballot in large part the anti-critical race theory candidate won uh, this hilarious piece from the new yorker reads how education freedom played in the midterms and the subtitle is particularly funny in superintendent and school board races candidates fear-mongering about unions and quote critical race theory and quote fared depressingly well uh, yes, when the New York when the New York New Yorker writer is depressed about the results of the school board election, um, that is a win. That is a win for parents and parental authority. This from the uh, Christian Post: Anti CRT candidates flip 100 school board seats across the U.S. despite mixed results. Uh, this reads that the 1776 Project PAC announced Wednesday that from November 2021 to 2022, they did in fact move the needle. On the, on the school board seats by 100 uh, members. That is a win. That is a win for parents everywhere where we can stop the indoctrination that uh, if you're white, you're evil and you are a, an oppressor and if you are black or lesbian or gay or transgender, you are a victim and you should blame the white people for everything that's wrong in your life. Uh, this is a very good win for our country. Uh, also in Texas, again, God bless Texas, Texas Republicans against critical race theory win seats on the state board of education, strengthening its GOP majority. And that is especially good for the rest of the country because many textbooks that scatter across the country in public schools are published in the Lone Star State. So hopefully that will have a long-term effect because famously Abraham Lincoln said, quote, the philosophy of school of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. So this is a long-term win. We're not going to see the results in five years or 10 years. It's going to take 20, 30, 40 years to see the results. Hopefully they last. Hopefully they stay. Uh, if you're a parent, it's time to get involved in the school board. It's time to run for the school board. Hopefully you are inspired. Even if you are in a blue state, you are inspired to maybe get involved in this process because you possibly could win. These are winning issues. And I think we need to be involved in that process 100%. Again, back to the point, Christians, we need to play the, the long game. We need to play the really long game. And you know why? Do you know why we need to do this? Because lives are at stake. Lives are at stake. I want to play a video of a girl for you. Uh, her name is Chloe Cole, and she's going around the world telling people about the lies of transgender madness. She tried to live as a man for four years, uh, I think age, what, 12 to 16. She got out of it. She says it's the total cult. Uh, and she can bear no longer the lies being perpetrated upon the younger generation. Her voice is permanently lowered, and she is now sterilized. She cannot give birth because of all of the transgender madness that was foisted upon her. And here she is testifying to uh, her life story and why she is speaking out now to defend uh, children everywhere. Watch. My name is Chloe Cole, and I'm an 18-year-old former transgender child. I transitioned from the age of 12 up until 16 when I realized it all was a lie. Discussions about gender, transgenderism 
and gender identity went from being a relatively benign social oddity to a doctrine as invaded nearly every academic, medical, and educational institution, seemingly overnight. How did we get to this point? How did we get to the point where nearly every pediatric institution in the country considers it best practice to remove the healthy breast tissue of children while administering drugs typically used to chemically castrate high-risk sex offenders? At 15, I went under the knife for a radical double mastectomy, the kind that breast cancer patients get. I started binding, which deformed my breasts as well as my ribcage. At 16, I finally realized what happened to me, and that I had made a huge mistake. I realized the beauty of motherhood was stolen from me by medical professionals who my family entrusted me to. With this realization came a series of challenges that were far worse than the transition. It almost killed me, as it has killed many who regret transition. Up until now, the media has been parroting the same ideologically driven, driven talking points. Affirm, affirm, affirm. There are many detransitioners speaking out, and they are ignored by the institutions most responsible for the search of truth. There is no second chance at childhood, so we must do our best as adults to guide our children to pathways that lead to healthy bodies and minds instead of depression and disfigurement. No child deserves to suffer under the knife of a gender-affirming surgeon. America's children, all children, deserve better. Thank you. Okay, there's another video I want to show you, and this video is a video of, a, of, a, of an, another transgender-identified person who was placed on hormones, a FEMA that was placed on testosterone pills. Uh, the same testosterone medication that, um, or drug that uh, bodybuilders use to build their muscles. And she exposed the fact that when you go to the doctor and say one thing, I'm transgender, you get one response, and say another thing, I'm a bodybuilder, and what's, what's wrong with this medication, you get another response. Watch this. So I've been doing an experiment with my doctors. When I show up to new doctor's appointments and I have to explain the condition my body's in and why, if I say it was HRT related to transition, they treat me one way. But if I say I was abusing anabolic steroids, which is what that was, they treat me a different way. When I say the first one, uh, they get really weird and they say like, well, there aren't any, we, like some of them will say like, oh, well, we don't know what the side effects are or it's safe or they get really defensive. And then if I, for example, I went to the ER the other week because I've been really, really sick and I was trying to explain my situation without going into detail or evoking gender ideology. So I just said I was on anabolic steroids, testosterone for six years. Uh, like, you know, not necessarily alluding to using it the way a bodybuilder would, but, you know, kind of that. And they know what the consequences are when you say I was a bodybuilder and I took gear. They know what the consequences are and they tell you the things that that will do to your body and how that will damage your body unabashedly, unashamedly, they'll name it. It's the same substance, the same substance. So I find myself often frequenting um, boards online of other former bodybuilders uh, who took testosterone to ask them questions like, how is your fertility? Uh, were, you, were you able to carry a pregnancy to term? How is the kid? Like all that stuff that I'm just not going to get if I search through the lens of anything that evokes gender religion. Unbelievable. Unbelievable how the medical 
profession has been hijacked, has been hijacked through ideology. And that is where we are. And that's why this channel does what it does. That's why I talk about this stuff. It's why we're here. And I want to say one last thing. It's imperative that you partner with us. We are making a difference. <laughs> I am thrilled to share this story with you. My son has a coworker and it's a girl and she actually ran across my TikToks uh, online. I, I don't do those TikToks. I have somebody on staff. You've met her, Sharon. She makes these TikTok videos and she puts this stuff up on TikTok, the stuff that I talk about on this channel. She ran across my TikTok automatically because it got advertised to her, it got, you know, suggested to her. My son never told her about my TikTok. He doesn't even know my TikTok. And so she came up to him and said, is this your father? Because she saw the name. Is this your father? And he said, yeah, that's my father. She's like, wow, he really helped me understand some things. And then she continued to watch some TikToks that we put up on the, vid on the, uh, on the channel. And one of the TikToks was about abortion, about how abortion has been foisted upon the young. It is very unhealthy for young women. It is very detrimental to their lives. And it is a real human being that they are killing. She watched that TikTok and she came back to my son um, a couple of weeks later and said, I got to let you know that your father changed my view on abortion. I am pro-life now and I'm thankful for watching his content. I mean, that is what's happening. That is why we are doing this channel. And that is what I ask right. That is why I ask right now of you support us, support us and get the um, free digital first chapter of my book, Ending Emptiness, which is coming out very soon or support us monthly, become a dependable, and you will get a free paper copy sent to you in the mail automatically, uh, and the digital copy as far as I'm concerned. We thank you for your support. The point that I'm trying to make is that the, uh, the channel is actually having an impact. It's having an impact on the young. So get over to our social media channels, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and subscribe and like and help me get the word out because there's no way I'm getting any help from the powers that be in Silicon Valley. So you guys got to understand, there's a reason why I do this channel. There's a reason why we talk about politics. There's a reason why I take on all these very hot button issues. It's because there are people out there who will pay attention and lives can be changed and babies can be saved and families can be changed and transformed when we tell people the truth. We have a responsibility to do this and I am willing to do it. I'm asking for your help. Okay, also the deep dive is back tomorrow night. I can't wait to dive back into First Kings. I think we're in chapter what, six. So we will be talking about the temple and how that points to Christ and very exciting content there. Also, never too early to get your questions in for 10 questions with Tim. I highly encourage you to go back and watch last month's episode. We will be doing another episode the first week of December. Guys, thanks for being here on The Deep End, brought to you by TimHatchLive.com. I am your host, Tim Hatch. Like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and see you tomorrow night.